Hello and welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi. Choir Talks is the podcast form of my devotion that I would share with my choir. A few years ago, we painted our choir room and just renovated it a little bit. And as a part of that process, I commissioned a piece of art, uh, someone to do a painting for me. I want that room to inspire the people who walk in there, who are my worship leaders and helpers, just to inspire them to worship. And so the painting, uh, I gave the artist specific instructions to base the painting off of Psalm 95. It's a great psalm because it is an invitation to worship. That's the psalm I want to look at with you today a little bit. It's, uh, I hope that you'll enjoy it as I do. Here's how it starts. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. All right, that's really the first verse of this song. Let's break it down a little bit. The very first word is super important. He says, come. It's an invitation. And I want you to think of this song as an invitation for you to join this psalm writer in worshiping the Lord. It's not only an invitation, but it's an imperative. It, it is, uh, we need to do this. This is super important. Um, so here's the, here's the way we begin a worship service. We implore one another, plead with one another to come together to do it. Uh, the next two words are let us. And those are important words because he uses it over and over. He says, come, let us sing. And then he says, let us shout. And then again in verse 2, let us come. Haven't read verse 8 yet, but at 8 says, come, let us bow down. Let us kneel. Over and over, he uses the words, let us. And I want you to see in that that worship is a together thing. I know that you have worship moments when you are off by yourself with the Lord, with an open Bible perhaps, or on the side of a mountain, or, or looking across the ocean. All of us can worship the Lord in solitude and in that, that quietness of a personal moment. But there's something powerful about doing it together. And this psalm writer is emphasizing that. He, as he extends the invitation, he says, let's do this together. Let's join our voices together to worship this, this God that we love. So come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Um, so I'm going to stop on that word sing there. As, as you know, I'm the worship pastor, and really my emphasis as a musician is, is singing. And uh, so I want you to hear that he says to sing for joy. Is it only, the, only if I sing well that this command uh, involves me? If it's, is it only if I like to sing that this command involves me? He doesn't say that. He just says, come, let's, let's together sing for joy. And notice he doesn't say, let's sing to impress somebody. Um, so if you feel like you can't sing or your singing voice is not pleasing or whatever, this does not let you out of this command. We're not here to sing to impress anybody. We are here to sing to the Lord, not to one another. We'll do it together, but our focus is to sing to the Lord. He is the object of our affection. Um, you know, a lot of times we almost make ourselves the object of our affection during worship. When we, when we come into a time of worship, often we're like, 
I don't know if I like that kind of music. I don't know if I like this kind of worship element. Um, and we start talking about our own preferences and what I what we like. But this psalm writer gets it right when he says, come let us sing to the Lord. It is for him. It is for his glory. And our focus needs to be on him. The next verse says, let us uh, shout, a ra- uh, shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Now that word shout uh, kind of sticks out here. If you, like me, belong to a Baptist church, that might seem a little inappropriate. But I think it really captures the spirit of the way that we ought to come before the Lord when we are giving him praise, when we're giving him thanksgiving. We should come with that, just that unbridled joy that you can't dampen down, you can't make me softer. I have got to let out this expression of praise to the Lord. Praise can be a noisy thing. Sometimes praise is a soft thing, but praise when you are singing to the Lord can be a noisy thing. When God, uh, notice that he says the God of our salvation. When God has reached down and plucked you out of the darkness and given you salvation, he's given you an eternal inheritance in Jesus Christ when he's changed your life, man, that deserves unbridled enthusiasm. It deserves a shout. Come, let us, uh, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So the first verse is really praise, even though it doesn't mention that word. And then he throws in also, here's another thing that we should approach the Lord with, and that's thanksgiving. Um, let's extol him with music and song. Let's lift him up and use music as a part of that. Use our artistic creation to express ourselves to the great artist, the one who is the creator of all that. Right, why are we doing this? Verse 3 answers, For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. Uh, why should we do this? Because he's, he's great. He is above all. He holds it all together. Everything belongs to him. The next verse says, In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The mountains belong to him. The seas belong to him because he made them all. He is the creator of everything. This first verse of this psalm tells us that God is transcendent. He is great and awesome and beyond what we can imagine. Everything that we know is created by him. He is great. And so we praise him in a great way. All right, here is the second verse of this psalm. Verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock of his care. The second verse has a really different character about it. Instead of us being loud and shouting, now we're coming in a more intimate way before, before God. In the beginning, he is the transcendent God who makes everything and who is so grand and big. But now we get a different character about who God is to us. I want you to see the relationship words here. He says, come let us bow down. Um, and kneel before the Lord, our maker. So he's not just the maker of heaven and earth, but he's, he's the maker of us. He says he's our God. He is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. So now in this second um, part of the psalm, we have this, a relationship with this God, and it, it, it causes us to worship in a different way. Now we come humbly before him, and we come into the presence of someone 
that we have a relationship with. He is not only transcendent like the first verse, but in this second verse, he is imminent. He is close to us. Isaiah chapter 43 says, God says, I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. Listen to the relationship that he has with us there. He made us and we are his and we're created for his glory. This psalm ends uh, in an unusual way, though. It ends with a warning. He says, Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, this psalm that starts so upbeat ends in, in, a, in a difficult way. It ends with this warning. This, this psalm writer expects that if you are worshiping God, that you are going to hear the voice of God. It, this communication is not only us singing and shouting toward him, but it's hearing and receiving from him. So he says, today, if only you would hear his voice. Anytime that we worship the Lord, it's a two-way communication, and some of our time should be spent listening and discerning to see what God might be saying to us. And in this case, he says, don't harden your hearts. He goes on to say, don't harden your hearts as you did in Meribah and as you did at the, in Massa in the wilderness. Um, he's referring back here to um, the children of Israel as they left Egypt and they wandered through the wilderness. God blessed them. He gave them manna. He gave them um, uh, quail. And he provided for their every needs. And yet they were thirsty and they grumbled and they complained and they said, let's go back to Egypt. And the Lord was angry um, because in the midst of all he had done for them, they stopped listening to his voice. They stopped believing, believing in his provision. And so he gives us a warning and he says, as you worship me, listen for my voice. And when you hear me, don't be disobedient to what I tell you to do as the children of Israel had done. Psalm 95, it's an awesome psalm. Uh, come, let us worship together. Hear that invitation and come and spend time, not only by yourself with the Father, but along with other believers that you can join your voice together with. Praise him because he is great. Worship him because he is imminent, because he is close to you, because he loves you and has a relationship with you. And then listen for his voice. Have a great day.